Welcome to North Coast Church and Father's Day weekend. We have a special Father's Day message in store for you. Whether you're a dad or not, this message is going to be so special for each and every one of you. We also have our summer classes taking place this summer. And if you would like to be able to sign up for one, simply go to our website and you can find classes that are online or in person in many of our San Diego locations. Now let's go ahead and get ready for today's message. Download your message notes on our website or use our mobile app. There you can fill out a connection card or put in your prayer request as well. Now let's join Pastor Arnold Camacho for today's message. Hey, North Coast family, thanks for joining us today. Nope, no video bumper. This isn't the beginning of a message. I've got three things for you, and then we're gonna do that because today's a special day. Number one, let me be one of the many voices that simply said, Happy Father's Day. We love you dads, all of you that are playing the role of, of mentoring masculinity and the family and the kids and the lives. Um, I got a new fishing rod, a new reel, exactly what I wanted this year because I bought it myself and I took pictures of it and I sent it to my kids and I said, this is what you got me. That's how you do Father's Day at this stage in the game, but I absolutely love it. Hey, second thing, if you've been joining us for the last few weeks, we've been talking about our baby bottle drive, baby bottle and beyond. We wanna raise enough money to once again be the number one funder giving unit of all of our pregnancy resource, our pathway centers all across San Diego County that are helping young girls in crisis to let them know you have a choice, you have a life, and we're not just gonna show that life to you, we want to also stand by you for the first few years of that life. Can I just say, you have given more than we've ever given before. We will be able to give the largest gift ever to these pregnancy resource centers. That was our first priority. We also said we wanna help build a, a dorm for girls in Uganda to continue their education. Um, I sent a text uh, to the leaders, to Jeff and Shannon Dyke, and just said, hey, unfortunately, we were able to meet our goal of baby bottles. Um, our church uh, resoundingly kind of with their input said, we're not gonna build uh, the dorm for you at this time. We're gonna build the dorm and an entire wing of classrooms. Come on, I can't tell you how proud I am again and again and again to be a part of this body, to be a part of this family. We're not only giving the largest gift ever um, to our, our pregnancy centers to help young girls in crisis, we are gonna complete that 150,000 dorm, this building for 110, 120 girls, and that was 150,000, you gave above and beyond, we are gonna build the $110,000 wing of classrooms that go with these dorms. Are you kidding me? Over $400,000 split up between these ministries. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't tell you how ecstatic the response was from Uganda with tears and cries and hugs that they wanna give each and every one of you. Thanks for being that type of church, that is absolutely amazing. Now, let me tell you, we've got great news, good news, and now more even great news. Today, we're doing something special on Father's Day that we haven't done before. You get to hear from a new voice that you've never heard before. Arnold Camacho has been our 11th and 12th grade pastor on the Vista campus, youth pastor here for years now. He is absolutely amazing. He is the youth pastor to my kids talking about a tough job, and they absolutely have loved him. I have loved him, his wife, the raising of his two boys. He is incredible, and I heard his story years ago for the first time, and it gripped me. I had him do it for our staff a year ago in a staff chapel, and I knew then this is gonna be Father's Day. 2023, this is gonna be Father's Day. 
you get to hear from one of our own pastors, first time ever speaking on a weekend. He's got butterflies. Nope, he's got elephants flying around in his stomach right now. But I love what the Lord is doing in his life and through his life. And you're going to hear a special Father's Day message and story. Get something right with the circle, highlight, underline, get the word of God, but get your heart open to hearing the redemption story of what God can do. So we're going to roll the bumper. He's going to come out. I'll see you at the end of this. I guess you can clap at home. Why not? And those of you watching in a group, as soon as the bumper's done, give a warm welcome to one of our very own pastors here on staff. The first time you get to hear him, this is Mr. Arnold Camacho. Hello, North Coast. It is an absolute honor to be with you guys uh, today. Uh, as we are about to dive into the book of John, um, I invite you to go there. John chapter 10 is where we will be. We've been hitting that a couple of weeks here. We will be ending that today. Um, and as you turn there, I just want to say happy Father's Day to each and every one of you out there, but especially you fathers. I hope that you have the best weekend. I hope that this message will bless you and encourage you. Now, in the book of John, we see Jesus give testimony on a regular basis to who he is and much he does that by his relationship with his father. He constantly goes back to the father and his relationship with his father. And we see that here even at the end of chapter 10. And it's what we want to highlight today as we dive into our message. So join me there in John chapter 10, uh, verse 29, as I read. My father, he says, who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the son of God. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained and many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Friends and family, this message is going to be split up into two pieces. The first one's going to be really quick. We're going to look and quick little deep dive into a couple of pieces in this passage. And then the remainder is really going to be my story. On this Father's Day, we want to do a little bit of a special where I get to have the opportunity to tell how God has worked in my story, in my story with my fathers, in my life. And I hope that it's a blessing to you. And so very quickly, what I want to dive into is this, Jesus's life with dad. 
right off the bat, like I said, not just in this passage, but through all of John, we see him going back to this relationship with his father over and over and over again. And how, how is he showing his life with dad? Jesus shows us that in this way. He's always about showing us the way. And in the best way, he shows this. Jesus uses his relationship with his father to show us our relationship to God. It's beautiful. We're able to look at his relationship with with the father and think and know, you know what? It's intimate. It's loving. It's close. It's a friendship. And as we all know, or if you've been walking with the Lord for for a while, a primary relationship that we're called into on a regular basis is this sonship, this daughtership with the father. And so he shows us right off the bat, you can, you can have this intimate, loving, close friendship with the father. The next piece that he shows us is this. Jesus defines the character of who the father is. In this very passage, we see all kinds of descriptions, three in particular. One, that, he, that, God, that, that God the father is great. Two, that he's a protector and a defender. And also, Jesus shows us the characteristics of the father in himself. The two passages here in verse 30 and in verse 38, we see this, if I and the father are one. And then he says, the father is in me and I in him. And later on in John, we're gonna see that Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So basically what he's telling us and what he's showing us is, you wanna know who the father is? You wanna know what the characteristics of the father are? Look at me, look at my life. Look at the way that I'm living my life. Characteristics like loving and kind and graceful, a servant, forgiving, truth, rescuer, savior, pursuer, protector. We look at all these characteristics, we can see those in Jesus. And the reality is we can also see them in the Father. And Jesus shows that to us. He defines that for us with his own very life. Jesus is a living, breathing example of the characteristics of the Father. But the reality is none of that matters in our lives if we don't believe it. So there's a question that I'd like to propose for all of us to ask ourselves. How do we, how do I, define who the father is. See, for some of us, I say these characteristics or I even just use the word father and all kinds of connotations come to the surface. We see these things and all of a sudden, either we can't relate, we can't connect. See, the reality is on this father's day, I wanna remind us of something. Our fathers, our relationship with our fathers either helped us or hurt us in relating to God the Father. Now for me, I can tell you, it hurt me. See, very quickly, I started realizing that my relationship with my fathers, and you'll understand why I'm saying fathers in just a second, actually hurt me. And I projected my understanding of an earthly father onto God the Father. And that wasn't right. I was missing out on the true characteristics and the beauty of my relationship with God the Father. And the rest of this time, I'd like to tell you my story and how that connects. So buckle up. It's going to be a nice little long one. Remainder of our time, we'll lean into that story. I was two years old when my father walked out. Sadly, he chose alcohol and moving out of the country rather than his family. So he left behind a mother, 23 years old, with a two-year-old and, a, and, and my brother who was younger than me. 
with no money and no home. And here she was fending for herself, trying to raise us. Now in that he moved out of the country. And so when he moved out of the country, he didn't have to pay child support. So she was alone. Now, what's so interesting to me and what I found out later is that he went and he started a new family while he was there and he had two kids and the oldest was a boy and he actually named him Arnold, which of course, if you know me or if you heard uh, the introduction, that's my name. Until this day, sometimes I still try to wrap my head about that, but it is what it is. My mom tells this story that the days after, maybe even weeks after that my father was gone, as a two-year-old, I would... uh, hang out at the foot of the door, the entrance to the house, and I would knock on the door calling for my dad. Hey, dad, come home. Dad, when are you coming home? And she said I would do that over and over and over again. And eventually that led into tears because he wasn't coming home. And eventually that led into me being super tired and I would fall asleep at the foot of the door. To this day, she cannot not cry in telling that story as she saw her kid on the floor wanting her father, knowing the truth that he wasn't coming home. And that's where the story with my father begins. Now, the years following that, he would show up from time to time at, at, at some family events or outside of mass. I was raised Catholic. And so he would just show up out of the blue. So my earliest memories are of me hating him. I just couldn't see him. I couldn't connect with him. I couldn't even say hello. So those moments when he would show up, I remember distinctly being like, I'm just going to run away. I'm just going to walk away. And he would show up right in front of me and be like, bye, I'm out. I want nothing to do with him. I don't know what it was. Part of it of think, of course, I was mad at him. Why did he leave? But another part that I do remember is I remember watching my mother and how much she suffered and knowing and believing she didn't talk bad about him, but knowing She's going through this. We're going through this because of him. Even at a young age, I knew that. I could somehow make that up in my mind. So I responded to that. Fast forward, seven years old. My mother remarries. Now I have a stepfather in my life and I am stoked. I'm so excited. I've been wanting a dad, someone to throw the ball with, someone who will help me build something, someone who will speak into my life. Really someone I could call dad. And I remember having the conversation after they got married and he moved in. I remember having the conversation with my mom and saying, hey, oh, is it time? Can, can I call him dad now? And she's like, yeah, go for it. And so I build up the courage and, you know, this little kid walks up and I think it was like in passing or we were doing something. I can't even really remember, but I'm like, okay, here I go. I'm going to say it. And I called him dad and it didn't land. In fact, it never did. I, from that time on, and after the couple other times that I tried, I just started calling him by his first name. See, sadly, my stepfather turned out to be incredibly emotionally and just mentally abusive. We had no relationship. We had no friendship. So once again, a letdown. No dad, no father figure, really. I fast forward again to my, my middle school years. And man, you guys know this. Middle school years is when you're finding yourself out. I'm trying to figure out. I was full of questions, even more so now. What kind of man am I going to be? What kind of work am I going to get into? Uh, what, what is a true father going to be like one day? Because I had none in my life to look to that I could look up to or would speak into those questions in my life. So I got desperate. 
And, and, and as a kid, I asked, I, as a middle school, I asked my mom, I said, mom, I think it's time to, for me to actually give it a try with my biological dad. Would you find a way to get a hold of him? And she's like, okay, sure. And she did. And eventually we got on the phone and we started talking and there were simple conversations, nothing too deep. I was excited about them, but this is what I was excited about most. He eventually invited my brother and I out to Mexico for a summer. He's like, come on out, see my life, see how I live. I'd love to get to know you guys better. Man, that meant the world to me. And so we packed up that summer. It was between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, and we were stoked. We went out there. It was even weird, man, flying without adults. That was weird. Uh, but it was cool. It was fun. It was exciting until we arrived. And we got to see his life and what it was like truly. I got a front row seat to an alcoholic's life. I remember one night, we were watching a show and he turns to me and he says, hey, can you go buy me a six pack of beer? To which I was like, what the heck? <laughs> that's, that's not a thing in my world, but in Mexico, age is just a number, I guess. And so he, he, he said, no, you can go, go to the corner liquor store. You can get this for me. And I said, absolutely not. At that age, I already knew I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to help this. I've seen the pain that it's causing me and in my mother's life, this idea of alcohol. I hated it. But he says to me, come on, son. I promise this is the last time. This will be the last six pack. I won't drink anymore. After this, I'll be done. Naive, I believed him. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm the change. <laughs> maybe finally now he met his kid and, and I'm the change. So... I got up, I went, got him a six pack of beer late at night, uh, left it there and, th and, and that was that. In the morning, when I came downstairs, he was passed out on the couch with dozens of beer cans around him. He had gone back to the store and of course drank himself to sleep. It was like a scene out of a movie. And I remember thinking, I fell for it. I felt like an idiot. I felt like a promise was broken with my biological dad. Once again, feeling let down. I didn't know what to make of it. I couldn't make sense of it. He continued this into the end of the summer. And one, one time it was so bad that they found him, the police found him on the streets drunk and they put him into rehab. And it was at the end of the summer where my brother and I had to return back to the States so we didn't even get to say goodbye when they put him in rehab. So we, uh, months later, he began to call us again. And some of it was like, oh man, I'm mad at you. I don't know what to say to you, but hey, let's keep having these conversations. And those conversations turned into more conversations, into like good conversations. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's like clarity. It's like he, he would say things and, and he was like a changed man. And, and, and I was like, whoa, something's working. Whatever he's doing, he told us he'd given up drinking. Things had changed. It was the first time he was so proud of himself and proud of us. And, and he even said sorry to my mother, which was crazy. Like it's just all kinds of cool things. So he invited us out again to a summer vacation with him. And, and once again, I'm stoked. Now I'm in my ninth grade year of high school. I'm excited. Summer's coming two weeks out. You guys remember landlines? <laughs> yeah, well, we had one of those. And late at night one night when I was going to bed, the phone rang. 
And if you had a landline, you knew, man, if you were getting a, a call late at night, something's wrong, something's up. And I remember thinking, there's something about that, this call. But then very quickly, again, teenager, go to bed. <laughs> In the morning, my mom surprises us and says, guess what? Your aunt's called last night. You're actually going to Mexico on your vacation early. And I'm like, first of all, how's that possible? I have finals. Sounds amazing, but no way. She's like, nope. I got it all arranged. I've already talked to your principal. I've already talked to your people. It's dealt with. And I'm like, mom, you're like a genius. How did you do that? Quickly, I'm excited for two things. One, I get to go spend time with my dad early and go on vacation. Let's go. Two, I don't have to take my finals. Done. Let's do that thing. And so we're packing. We're excited. We're on our way to the airport that early evening. And on the way there, my mom's like, hey, we're going to stop to eat at your aunt's house. So we did because it was on the way to the airport. My aunt's there. A few other aunts and uncles are there. Cousins are there. Didn't think much of it until my uncle and my mother take my brother and I into a room and things got serious. Before you knew it, Things got quiet. And my uncle says to me, hey guys, we have some news to give you. The reason that you're going back to Mexico early is because a couple days ago, your father passed away. And the reason that you're going out there early is because the family's waiting for you for the funeral. Brutal. I will never forget the look on my brother's face. Because he thought I had a bad man. He was the younger one. He had a tough at home with my stepfather. He really wanted to know his dad. Hopelessness, pain, brokenness. That's what he felt. I could see it in his eyes and I could feel it in my heart. He decided to stay home. He didn't want to go, understandably, but I chose to go. I needed to see it with my own eyes. Man, I remember standing at the edge of that casket and looking into my father's face and just thinking, you're going to wake up, right? Would you please wake up? Just wake up. I came back home and I spiraled. Things got bad real quick in my mind, in my heart, in my life. I looked to the world to answer these questions that I had toward father, toward manhood, toward, toward just life in general. Empty every time. It wasn't until months later that my brother and I were riding our bikes and we saw a crew of students outside of this home. And we went up to them, I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty girls. So, hey, we gotta say what's up, right? And weeks in, we kept seeing them every Wednesday at this place, same spot. And we're like, all right, let's come say what's up. Let's come say hello. Eventually they invited us in and inside there was pizza. So now you had pretty girls and pizza, I'm in. Right? What I didn't know is that there was a Bible study going on inside. At the end of the night, a man, his name is Dave, he would get up and he would open the Bible and he would start speaking all kinds of things that I had no idea were slowly dripping into my heart and into my mind. In time, the girls faded away, the pizza faded away, 
And Jesus is what stood. And in that house, on that couch, I accepted Jesus into my heart and everything changed. Freedom, peace, answers that I'd been searching for. It was incredible. It was amazing. For about a year and a half, it was just amazing in my life. At least I felt that way until I started hitting this wall and I didn't know why. Now, God had brought some incredible men into my life, which I'm going to get to in just a second. Um, some incredible men into my life to start speaking into my life. And one of those men helped me understand something. He asked me a question in time and said, hey, you know what I'm realizing from this pain and these things that you seem to get stuck on? He goes, have you forgiven your father and your stepfather? And I was like, what? That's not a thing. <laughs> He's like, oh no, that can be a thing. And I'm like, no, 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 the, all the forgiving stuff, that, that's God's stuff. Like, that's not my stuff. There'd been a door that he'd unlocked in my head that I had shut closed. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. What do you mean me forgive them? If anything, they should like apologize to me. That was my attitude. That's what I was going through. It was crazy. But eventually I got to this place through work. Hear me when I say that. I'm not using this forgiveness idea lightly. Work with God, with mentors in my life. And this is what I heard eventually. Forgive like I had been forgiven. <laughs> Forgive like I had been forgiven. Oh Lord. Again, I don't say that lightly. It took work to get there. So I began to work through it, asking God for help, asking God to guide me, to lead me. How, how in the world can I forgive these men in my life? How could I work through that? And to be honest, you know what was intense for me that I, I realized in time? It was actually harder to forgive my stepfather than to forgive my biological father. Again, he had made some peace with my mother, the, those conversations there at the end. So I think it was easier for me to get to those types of things, to that type of forgiveness and forgiving him and you know he had he had passed away but my stepfather was still there and still alive and there's a lot of pain there toward my brother toward me and the, just the way that we saw him day in and day out from seven till the day I left so I had to work through that but here's when I knew here's when I knew I forgave him watch this one day I come home about 17 years old or so I come home after school and he had come home early. It was just him and I. He was asleep on the couch, face down. And I felt the spirit lead me saying, pray for him. <laughs> what? What? What God? What Lord? Oh, pray for him. Like, what, is, what do you mean? Yeah, pray for him. I want you to actually lay your hands over him and pray for him. Okay, first of all, praying for him in general, I'm already questioning. Two, you want me to put my hands over him? What are you saying? Yep, I felt led to come to the edge of the couch, put my hands over him. Definitely not touch him because that would just, that would be scary. I don't want to face that man. But put my hands over him, just pray for him. And here's what my prayer sounded like. Here's what it was like. I said, Lord, I don't believe you can save this man. <laughs> this is my mind. That's the way I was thinking. This is the most prideful man I've ever met. I don't believe you can save this man or that this man even deserves to be saved. Something to that effect. That's just how honest I was being. But I know that you are great and I know that you are powerful. And if it is in your will, save this man. <sighs> that was the prayer. 
lifted my hands, and I walked away. The peace that I felt rush into my soul was incredible. The freedom I felt, I felt like, like a leash had been let go and I can just take off now. There was just nothing holding me back in my relationship with God the Father. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment for me. And after that, God continued to provide. One of the incredible ways that he continued to provide was with men in my life. He brought incredible men that would show me what it would look like to be a father, to be a man, how to run a business, how to, how to go after a career, integrity, all these wonderful, beautiful characteristics things of God that I could see in real men here on earth. He provided that so much so. And because of that, I was able to work through my next point, which is this, seeing the father for who he truly is. What do I mean by that? Earlier in this message, I threw out all kinds of characteristics at you. That, 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 that the father is loving, that he's kind, that he's graceful, that he's a servant, forgiving, merciful, truthful, faithful, provider, pursuer, all these things. And for some, some of you, when you hear those things, like I said, you're like, you're good. But for me, there's a couple in there that I struggled with. The first one was pursuer. How, how in the world could I see God the Father as a pursuer if I'd never been pursued? No father in my life had ever pursued me. But it was men like Doug, my father-in-law now, who pursued me, cared for me, showed me what it looked like to be pursued by, a, by an earthly father. It was scripture like Psalm 139 that shows me and tells me that I was wonderfully made, that it was made on purpose, that a God pursues me and how he made me. Or scripture like Genesis 3, that after the fall, immediately the gospel is presented, that before I was even a thought in my family's life, God had already figured it out how he would save me. Those were the truths over and over again that showed me how to truly see him as pursuer. The second one was faithful. Man, I couldn't see it. No father had ever shown me faithfulness in my mind. How could I trust him to be faithful? Well, let me tell you, in the coming years, it's about 10 years worth of prayer and pursuit and God working and God's faithfulness, my brother came to know Christ. My sister came to know Christ. My mother came to know Christ. Now it's easy to just blur that out, but at year two of prayer, didn't feel faithful. Those prayers didn't feel answered. It was very difficult. 10 years it took for my family to come to know Jesus. And check this out. 10 years to the year of my prayer over my stepfather. My sister, she asked me to baptize her. She invited me to baptize her. We're in my father-in-law's backyard. And while we're there, um, my, my, sadly at this time, my mother and my stepfather had split up. Um, and so, she, but my mother was there. My brother was there. My wife, her family's there. Just intimate time in the backyard. And my mother had asked me beforehand, hey, can your stepfather come? And I'm like, of course he can come. He should see this. <laughs> and so I'm baptizing my sister and then that was beautiful and it was joyful and it was amazing. And she gets out of the pool and just as a pastor messing around, kidding around, I'm like, anyone else? And I, I was so kidding that I started walking out of the pool and I got out of the pool and here comes my stepdad. And he walks right up to me and he says these words. He says, will you do me the honor of baptizing me? I wish I could tell you I said something clever, but I was like, what? <laughs> I said, 
are you serious? He's like, yeah. (laughs) We get in the pool. I tell the story of me praying for him. I'm crying. My mom's crying. If there was a dog there, the dog was crying. Everybody's crying because we knew what this man had done to us. Everyone in that space knew who this man was. So even the humility that it took for him to step into those waters was huge. And here, I, who didn't even want to pray that prayer, to be honest, in my flesh, am getting the honor to baptize him? Are you serious, God? Man, you have a sense of humor. Things like that and many other more in my life are what lead me to my next point. The importance to run to the Father because he is faithfully running toward you. Run to the Father because he is faithfully running toward you. I immediately think of the prodigal son. I mean, that beautiful picture right at the, at the main point of the story where the son is coming back and it literally tells us that the father runs to his son. He doesn't walk, he doesn't wait, he doesn't sit there and say, hey, I'm tapping my foot until you come back to me. No, this beautiful picture and I would encourage us all that we would play that picture in our minds on repeat of the father running again and again and again toward us. And because of that, we can lean into him. We can trust him. We can believe that he's faithful and we can run to him on a consistent basis. Because the reality is this, you cannot run away from God. That's not a thing. He will find you. He gets what he wants. We can reject him or run to him. And now my encouragement to you is that you would run to him. Here's the final point of my story or the final part of my story. Last summer was my sister's wedding, okay, my stepfather's daughter. It is now over 20 years since I prayed that prayer at this time, last summer. I'm I'm lined up at the dollar dance, right? I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready to dance with my sister. And I'm watching and she's actually dancing with with, uh, her father, my stepfather. And they get done and, and then he's done, turns around, he sees me, we lock, eye, we lock eyes and he walks right up to me. And I'm like, this could be a good thing or a bad thing, not really sure. I mean, we're in good terms, but hey, you never know. And he walks up to me and with tears in his eyes, he says, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for everything that I put you through? <laughs> what? God, what are you showing me here? Here's the trip. Up to that moment, it hadn't even crossed my mind. In over 20 years, he had never actually asked for forgiveness from me. Maybe from God and he'd worked with God and that's amazing, but not from me. And it hadn't even crossed my mind. That once again is how I knew I had truly forgiven him. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful piece. And why the first words out of my mouth after he said that to me at that wedding was this, I forgave you a long time ago. Oh, he just started sobbing and he broke down. He's, he's like six something. He's like way taller than me. And so I'm like holding on to this bear of a man. This is the beautiful picture of redemption. And so here's my, my call to you, my ask to you. What's your story? What's your life story with dad? Yeah, here on earth, but your life story with dad. What's that look like? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, the father 
He wants into your story. He wants into your story. And so take home, let's go back to these three points. The reality, you guys, and again, I don't say this lightly, for some of us, it's time. It's time to forgive. It's time to lean into that work and get into that space and get into that place to get out of that prison in your own mind that you've placed yourself there. And God will free you if you lean into that work. It's time to forgive. For some of us in the room, for some of us listening here, man, you might be the dad saying to yourself, uh, I'm, I'm the stepdad in this story. I'm the, I'm the biological father in this story. And to you, I would say, if there is breath in your lungs, your story isn't over. The courage that it took, the humility that it took, and I believe that the Spirit led my stepfather to do what he did to get in the water and to come up to me at, at, at that wedding was huge. You can choose that too. You can lean into that too. Your story isn't over. Let Jesus in and guide you. Let the Father guide you in your story and you can rewrite it today. Don't wait. For others, there may be a characteristic that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon of our heavenly Father that you just, you know it, but you don't believe it. How do you know the difference? That like, if you say it out loud, you're like, yeah, I believe that but your life doesn't show it. It's not pouring out. And that's okay. No judgment there, because guess what? It doesn't change who God is. But my invitation to you would be this. Give it a look. Learn it. Discover it. Enjoy the Father and all of his characteristics. Lean in. Or maybe it's the running. Understanding that your Father is running towards you every single day. That's the beauty of the gospel, that the Father is for you. He holds you and pursues you every single day. So run to him and remind yourself of that every single day. Here's the truth. You can never have too much relationship with a great father. You can never have too much relationship with a great dad. I invite you into that. Maybe that's you. Or let me just lean into something here. Let me be clear. The only reason that the, tur- that the 13-year-old in my story was not lost forever and found in salvation, the only reason that the 17-year-old had a prayer that the 27-year-old was able to experience faithfulness, that the 38-year-old in the story saw reconciliation was because of Jesus. This isn't my story. This is God's story. His faithfulness through and through. Was it tough? Absolutely. Do I want to relive it again? Probably not. (laughs) But man, was he in it. And that's all I'm trying to do is tell it. And the only reason that we get to see these beautiful parts of faithfulness and pursuit is because of what Jesus did. 
all of this that I'm talking about, these beautiful truths are possible because Jesus came. Jesus made the way to the Father. It's what, ke- what he keeps saying in John. It's what he will tell them later. Stop asking about seeing the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. He's right here. He's in me. And I have made him available to you. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why that, that child in that story has hope. That's why I have hope today. That's why you have hope today. And to walk in any of these spaces, particularly that the, that the spirit might be leading you into because of the power of the gospel that frees you on a daily basis. So this Father's Day, go in peace, knowing that you have a heavenly father who loves you, pursues you, sees you, sacrifice for you, runs to you every day. And in that gratefulness, that goodness, if you have a good relationship with your father, maybe hold them a little bit tighter today. Or for some of us, we got to call them for the first time in a long time. And yet for others, Maybe we've lost our fathers. So maybe we can go to Jesus and thank him for the time that we did have for them and with them. Happy Father's Day. Oh, Church Online, wasn't that good? I told you this was gonna be special today. And there's no doubt in my mind. There are some of you today in different categories. Some of you today gripped with understanding, I've got to forgive not because he deserved it, not because he earned it. I'm not letting him off. I need to forgive for my walk with God and my freedom. There are others of you that are sitting there going, I need to change. I don't want to be that guy or continue to be that guy or that mom or that person that others are being hurt by. And there's some of us today that just need to, God, I've taken you for advantage of you. Um, I need to see you for who you are. And I'm done portraying my dad on the characters of God. And some of us, maybe from great background, great parenting, just to go, I can never have too much of a relationship with God. I need to press into that more. Can I just pray for all of us today in those areas that God will give you strength regardless of what you've done up to this point. Obedience starts now. Your walk with God starts now. Your relationship with the father you had or father you didn't have or stepdad starts now. And I wanna pray for you to have the strength to do that. So Father, thank you. Thank you for Arnold. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for allowing him to fight his butterflies and his nervousness to do this for the first time. God, thank you for his life and a story of redemption and the work you've done in and through his family. And God, now I pray that you'd continue that work in each one of us that you would give us the strength for whatever we need to forgive and let go and let you have it, that that you'd give us the strength, God, of whatever it is we need to change and become more of for the people around us and more of you in our life. And God, for whatever it is that's been keeping us from you because of an earthly father's relationship, God, may we find you and your character and your love and your pursuit of us in spite of or regardless of a father figure we may or may not have had. And God, may you give us strength, all of us today, to start today. How do we pursue more of a relationship with you as Father, protector, provider? So God, thank you for this story today. 
Thank you for your word and Jesus giving us an example of what it looks like to walk with you. Whatever we need to do today with what we heard, may you allow us the time and the strength to do that now before the hurry, busyness, and noise of life takes us out of this moment. God, give us the strength to respond with what the Spirit's putting on our heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing message and story. The power of the love of the Father and His forgiveness for each and every one of us. We're praying for you this week that you're able to find forgiveness and seek peace on the situations that we can't control. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you back next week.